0: It's a hard no, the podcast about saying no and setting boundaries to become
1: the authentic and empowered you that this world needs.
0: I'm Sarah Saunders. And I'm Heather Drago. For those of you returning, welcome back. We're humbled and happy you've decided to continue on this journey
1: with us. Quick reminder, while Sarah is a licensed professional clinical counselor, This podcast is in no way a replacement for one on one therapy with a mental health professional. If you are struggling with mental health issues, we welcome you on this journey, but also invite you to seek out professional help. Go to this episode's page on the website and click the link to find a therapist near you. Today, we're going to follow up our conversation about anxiety and ask Sarah some questions. Okay, Sarah. So first, uh, um,
0: I have a list here on my notebook. (laughs) Um, I'm glad you were able to reflect after her conversation. I know it was a lot. Like, I... I just felt like, you know, things that we had talked about, sometimes it almost feels like then the next day or later, it's almost this like emotional hangover <laughs> that you yeah. kind of have to, yeah. uh, you know, recover from. Yeah. I, I was thinking about it the rest
1: of the day. So um, yeah, I was mulling over some thoughts and wrote down some notes and um, so I, I just sort of random list here. But um, so one of the things you talked about was people Um having anxiety that they'll always have a problem with something so your example was like a fear of taking tests they're always going to be bad at taking tests but I'm wondering I I don't know if this is a question or not but um I've seen like for example my my kids when they were in high school or whatever um them saying well I'm just bad at taking tests like turning that anxiety about something and just labeling themselves it's almost like putting up the white flag and not even trying. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that a common thing? Is that like a coping mechanism for anxiety
0: that you see or? Yeah. So it kind of goes back to that mindset, like the Mm -hmm. fixed versus growth mindset. And sometimes when we just, we continue to tell ourselves something over and over, we label ourselves with that. And then that narrative in our head, we start to believe it. And so sometimes when things are hard We then just say, I'm bad at it.
1: Yeah, I'm never going to be able to do that. Exactly. So they just give up.
0: Exactly. So then a lot of the work that I'll do with people then is, is again, unpacking that. Everything is about unpacking. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, instead of saying, I'm bad at that, try this. And then we kind of, you know, create different things that we can tell Mm ourselves. It's hard, but I can get better. Right. Like right. acknowledging it. Um, but then helping now that I through. struggle
1: with this, but I mm-hmm. want to be better, so I'm right. willing to do the work.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm
1: willing to choose that hard. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Um, the other thing you talked about was instead of <clears throat> listening to the signal, the the siren that's going off that is anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, stuffing it and just going, going, going Mm -hmm. and exhausting ourselves by just being busy with other Mm -hmm. things. And I mean, I mean, maybe this is an obvious thing, but to me, that's just avoidance and Mm -hmm. and it's people are exhausting themselves. So they don't have to
0: look at what's happening. Mm -hmm. Is that an obvious observation, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that avoidance pattern is definitely, you know, something that a lot of people struggle with. I know myself, sometimes, you know, it's just easier, again, choosing our heart, but it's easier to just like, be on autopilot, because mm-hmm. that's familiar. And, and because of the avoidance, there might be something deeper that we don't want. We don't want to take the bandaid off. So if mm-hmm. we just keep ourselves busy, keep doing these things, then we don't have to think about it so much.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: And that's where giving yourself that space and that grace. And we're going to talk about a couple ways that, mm-hmm. um, you know, we can hold space for, you know, those feelings.
1: Yeah. I'm kind of thinking of all the people who are like doom scrolling, they call it <laughs> like on yeah. Twitter, looking at all the news or just constantly have the TV they're like freaking out and stressed out because who isn't right now. Mm-hmm. But, um, But not allowing themselves like the quiet time Mm -hmm. to just be with themselves and deal with like how am I feeling, you know, checking in with themselves. Um, I I feel like a lot of people are just so burned out because they're not taking that time to just be.
0: Absolutely. And that's a lot of that mindless behavior. And so whether it's like the mindless scrolling, you know, watching Netflix, I know you guys have been there where it'll come up on your TV or whatever device that you're watching Netflix, are you still there? (laughs) Um, Because you're just, you know, you're doing these things. And sometimes we get into these self-sabotage patterns that we don't Mm. even realize. And, you know, we're mindlessly snacking or, you know, doing things that aren't serving us. But again, it's filling that void temporarily and then when we start to notice it's bleeding out again, we do something else to you know kind of numb it. And that's maybe because
1: people just aren't comfortable being uncomfortable. Exactly. We keep talking about you have to be okay with feeling uncomfortable for a while.
0: Growth happens outside of our comfort zone.
1: Yeah. Did you know you can turn that feature off on Netflix that just keeps playing the neck? We just learned recently you can turn that off. So if you're watching a series it won't just play the next episode. Okay. We, we recently realized like we were watching too much TV. And we're like <laughs> let's turn that off. And it's actually helpful when we get up and walk away, you know? Yeah. So.
0: No, I did not know that you could turn that off. So, yes, you can. <laughs> um,
1: so, um, so the big thing though, the big question I had in my mind, so I have a lot of, so I, as I, as I dropped that bomb last time, you know, I, I know what anxiety feels like. I know what a panic attack feels like. I don't suffer from it that much anymore. Occasionally I'll have a situation that anxiety will flare. And obviously that's a situation that I have to deal with. But, um, but I remember, I remember um, very much what that's like viscerally. And I see people in my life who either through work or my family or extended family or friends, who suffer from anxiety and my instinct is to be the helper to jump in and comfort and, and be helpful. So I, I guess I have two questions. And one is, so if anxiety is more of a symptom of a, of a deeper thing, then what does it mean when someone's diagnosed with an anxiety disorder? Mm-hmm. And then I guess B is, you know, how do I help that person? How do, what or, well, not so much, how do I help but it? what what can be done if someone's feeling anxiety because it takes time to get through to process to work with someone like you to get to the things that are causing anxiety Mm -hmm. it takes time and so meanwhile you're having anxiety attacks and panic attacks so what do you do
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um and i guess then i guess c (laughs) the other flip side is that how does someone like me not make it worse Mm -hmm. sure I threw a lot at you there. Sorry, okay. I'll sit back and listen. <laughs>
0: That's okay. So the first question I heard you ask is, what do you do when someone is previously or is given a label or a mm-hmm. diagnosis of anxiety? So what is important is that that diagnosis does serve a purpose. Like it does allow for you to... Um, to create you know, certain treatment plans that will help manage that anxiety. But again, that's kind of just temporary fixes because if you don't truly unpack everything, then you can keep managing it, but it's never gonna fully, you're not gonna be able to bring your awareness to it for it to heal itself. So this is a tough one for me, but I'm gonna be honest with you guys one of the things that I've struggled the most with as a practicing mental health professional is insurance. And so I, the way that I run my practice, I am fee for service. And a lot of people, you know, kind of are like, you know, I'm curious about this. There's a lot of different reasons behind just, you know, how co-pays work. And it's just... You don't have to work with insurance so much. So then you're able to do things in a much more timely manner. You don't have to go through all this red tape. So I don't have to waste a lot of my time and can give quality care to the clients I'm working with because I don't have to deal with the insurance side. However, the main reason that I do not accept insurance is because ethically, it does not sit well with me in regards to I do not believe that you can just slap a label on someone after meeting them one time. And I don't focus on the label. And so in order for insurance to cover therapy sessions, you have one time a year, insurance will cover one hour of an intake assessment. And during that one hour intake assessment, the clinician's responsibility is then to give that person a diagnosis or a label. And so, so in 60 minutes,
1: a therapist has to figure out what's wrong with you and, and give you a diagnosis.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That, and they've never met you before. Right. That's crazy. Right. What happens if the diagnosis changes?
0: there are different specifications that you can put based on a diagnosis that it can allow you, you know, to do further assessments later. But for me, I feel that the diagnosis is not a you know, be all end all. It is I don't focus on the label, I focus on the symptoms. And so in order for me to truly do the therapeutic work that I do, I don't, I don't focus on that. Okay. Yeah. And just like Heather, you had mentioned like you were given an anxiety diagnosis because again, based on the DSM, that Mm -hmm. Diagnostic Statistical Manual, you did meet criteria for you were having those, you know, kind of panic attacks, you were having those symptoms. But again, I say symptoms, but underneath all of that was the trauma
1: a much bigger thing was going on Exactly, and took a lot longer time to deal with exactly right? yeah. And so that's,
0: that's why I just really encourage you know anyone out there again I totally believe in therapy but I want you to be very aware that just because you might get and I'm air quoting a, a label or a diagnosis that does not define you that label or that diagnosis is there to help clinicians create a treatment plan. Um, and it's also they're required to do it for insurance. So again, I am just sharing my approach and the way that I do things. And there are, you know it is important to recognize, especially when working with kids, and if you do need specific accommodations for like school and things like that, a diagnosis is very important. And there are psychologists and there are, um, you know, services that can provide you with those things. I am just speaking from my experience and the way that I run my practice and you know why I Don't work with insurance in the way that I view the work that I do. The other thing is that it's so important that you have to find a therapist that that works best for you. You have to shop around. And I often joke with clients, but it's, you know, you're not just going to go to the store and, you know, just buy any pair of jeans. Like you want to buy a pair of jeans that, you know, fit you well to your body and make your butt look good. And, <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it, you're comfortable in them. And that's exactly, you know, how therapy is. And I tell my clients all the time, like, I'm on a higher fire basis, like, let's keep, um, you know, the communication open, let's be transparent with each other, I want to do what works best for them. And I, you know, often check in with them. And I also during like the initial phone intake that I just kind of screen to make sure, you know, we would be a good fit is I asked them, like, Pretend like you're interviewing me for a second. Like, what are some questions that you have for me? Mm-hmm. Um, and so don't ever be afraid if you are looking for someone. It's okay if it's not a right fit at first. Yeah. You can actually absolutely ask them questions.
1: Yeah, I went through a number of therapists and I've often told people you have to make sure you click with somebody. If, if it doesn't feel right, it's going to be hard to trust someone with all those feelings. Mm-hmm. so you, you really do need to if you feel like therapy isn't working often it isn't therapy it's the therapist
0: 100 and i've had people come in um and they said yeah like i was seeing someone but they reminded me of fill in the blank and i didn't feel like i could be fully honest or i felt like mm-hmm. i was being judged or it just didn't feel mm-hmm. comfy
1: yeah yeah okay so so we talked about how anxiety isn't is is more of a label and usually there's underlying things. So Mm -hmm. your approach is just to, you know, you don't deal, you don't, you don't work that from that sort of top down, you kind of work from the get into the roots, work your way up.
0: I see the symptoms and then I figure out what, what work needs to be done. But what,
1: what, um, what can what can people do while they're work, doing the work and they feel so anxious and they're having panic attacks? What can they do to feel better? And and how can I, as a you know the loved one in their life, um, make sure I'm being supportive and not making the situation worse?
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So first and foremost. And I know, I feel like it's being talked about more, which makes my heart very happy. But self-compassion, self-compassion is so important. And so whatever you are dealing with, it's okay. You have to give yourself space and grace. And you are allowed to feel however you're feeling, period. So don't, you know, beat yourself up for it. Just give yourself some self-compassion. I also think it is so important, breathwork is something that I can't stress enough. Deep breathing is essential. And so just inhaling for four, in through your nose, and then exhale for eight. When we slow down our breathing, it slows down our thinking, Yeah, I do
1: one that's, it's like five, five and 10. You breathe in for five, you hold Mm -hmm. for five and then you slowly breathe out for 10.
0: Exactly. To the point where like,
1: you don't think there's any more in there to breathe out. (laughs) (laughs) And um, yeah, it it does slow you down and Mm -hmm. kind of just calm, calm things down.
0: And there are a ton of different breathing exercises. Mm -hmm. I just think if you were in that moment of that, those symptoms of anxiety is to really, you know, again, give yourself, you know, that that self compassion. um, But then also yeah, focusing on your breathing grounding yourself is really important. So some people like to plant their feet firmly on the floor. Maybe you like to lay down or sit up somewhere where like you can feel your back against whatever, you know, a couch or a chair or whatever. Um, And you just have to again, do that deep breath work. And kind of then after you do that, and I say, you know, I always focus, I think I talked about this um, on one of the previous episodes, like your five fingers, five senses, like using your hand, doing that deep breathing five times. So inhaling for four, exhaling you know, for eight, doing that five times and use your hand as, you know, a gauge, you can put your fingers mm-hmm. down after you do one. Um, and then just kind of like, you can reflect on this. And I use like a brain dump. I think I, I talked about this in the episode with Allie Clotz. Um, But you've got to write it out to let it out. And so you find insight through that introspection. And so if you can, after you do that breath work, kind of ask yourself, like, what am I feeling? What is coming up from my past that reminds me of this? So. If you can identify those core emotions, owning your own thoughts and feelings and behaviors and reactions, you have to get curious and really identify, like I said, you know, where where these feelings are coming from, because that insight is empowering.
1: So does that mean like someone might keep a journal and like when they're feeling anxious, do the breathing? quiet for a minute and then just like how am I feeling check in and just like write it out is that Mm -hmm. what you're okay absolutely I I know when I've done that before the difficulty I've had is there's a part of myself that looks you know in from the outside is looking down at myself and judging what I'm writing and I'm guessing you're going to say don't even judge or think about what you're writing just write it out and don't no one else is going to ever see it So it's not about grammar or eloquence. It's just get the feelings out, dump it out. Is that right?
0: Absolutely. And going back to that self-compassion, I also think it's important that this, you need to have boundaries around this. And what I mean is that I don't want... what I tell clients is there's this technique and it's called bracketing. And what it allows you to do is it gives you boundaries around your feelings. Because sometimes we feel like, oh my gosh, I feel this way. It's never going to change. But you actually do have control over that. If you're intentional with what's going on, you can allow yourself to go from one feeling to another. And so with the brain dump and this, you know, technique of bracketing is set a timer like give yourself maybe 3 minutes, 5 minutes, 10 minutes. You could do a half hour if you wanted or if you're you're able to have that time. But whatever amount of time that you do this brain dump and you focus on the things that are difficult for you, you then take that same exact amount of time and you do something that is self-care related. And so oftentimes I'll have clients make like a self-care or like this fills my love tank like list. And so whether it's, you know, it, some people, yeah, like taking a hot shower or a bath or like Allie had mentioned the essential oils. Sometimes it's just listening to your favorite song or getting a hug from someone like whatever it is, you want to spend this, the amount of time that you're doing this brain dump, you're kind of shaking your brain out, you know, asking yourself some of these questions to, to get to the root cause of it. You're then saying, okay, timers off. I'm done here. I'm going to park this for Mm -hmm. later. And then you're going to take that exact same amount of time and you're going to do something that makes you feel good. So let's say you spend five minutes,
1: And you're feeling very uncomfortable and emotional. Mm -hmm. You balance that out by saying, okay, I'm done here. Save this for later. Now I'm going to spend that same amount of time giving myself some love, Mm -hmm. whether it's whatever, you know? Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. Okay. What else can people do when they're feeling really anxious?
0: So another thing is mindfulness exercises. So I know there's, it's kind of like one of those hot topics right now. Everybody's talking about, you know, mindfulness, but you have to build awareness. You have to bring the unconscious to conscious. And so um, curiosity is what, you know, keeps us alive inside. And so doing mindfulness exercises are really helpful And we want to practice these things regularly, not just in the moment. So there's great apps that you can download. Two of my favorite, um, and these are not sponsors, (laughs) but um, Headspace and Insight Timer. So um, and you can also get like mindfulness journals that kind of walk you through you. You could do like gratitude and affirmation exercises, but if you can practice those mindfulness exercises when your temperature's low, when your temperature's high, and when it's hard to, you know, think in the moment, your brain is going to remember and like signals our brain and opens that mindfulness and grounds us. But we have to do that work before those episodes happen.
1: So that just brought something to mind and makes
0: now I understand something a little
1: bit better. So I started a six minute journal. Mm. Um, It's a gratitude journal. And so you do three minutes when you first wake up in the morning and you write three things you're grateful for. And kind of like how I'm going to make the day great kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And then before you go to bed, the last thing you do is, you know, three things I really enjoyed today and how I'll do better. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I wondered why they were very, it's very, they're very insistent. There's like a huge chapter you have to read at the beginning of like, why you're doing this and stuff. But like, now I understand, like, it's basically, you haven't had time to get emotional yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When you first wake up, there's nothing cluttering your brain. And then in the evening, it's kind of your wind down time. So Mm -hmm. it has helped some days more than others, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's not a cure all, but it, it definitely does help you be mindful of, what you do have and mm-hmm. um, what matters to you. So
0: Absolutely. And also, you know, mantras are really helpful. Just reminding yourself of something um, and just being able to say that and focus on that. So like this is temporary. It's not permanent. Mm-hmm. Right. Like in so many situations, we can tell ourselves, you know, that, um, so in those moments, again, when your temperature is high, it takes work to get to this place. But I often ask clients to to get to a place that they're going to ask. I want you to be your own idealized parent that you didn't get, or your most nurturing friend, because that then enables you to to be that person for yourself. So it sounds kind of silly, but... And it's going to be awkward. I'm not going to lie about it. Like it's going to be awkward at first. But in those moments, you have to be that friend or that parent that you needed. So it might look like it's okay, sweetie, I'm here for you. It's okay to feel that way. It's okay to let yourself sit with these feelings. It makes sense that you're feeling scared. Then when you're allowed to talk that way to yourself, it is going to bring naturally those messages that you are sending to your head is naturally going to be able to bring your temperature down. But this is going to look different for everyone. Right. And it takes time.
1: Right. I I will say when I was in therapy, one of the things we did is I, I, I spoke to my younger self a lot. Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time talking to myself as the mother that I am now to the child, you know, so. The inner um, child work. And and I, and I still do that. I still talk to myself or the other thing I do is I imagine if I'm going through something uh, stressful, um, I, and I start to get down on myself, I think, well, would I say that to so-and-so if they were going through this, would I, would I get down on them for reacting this way? No. What would I say to them? And then I say that to myself. So, um, Yeah.
0: Because right. we treat ourselves much more harshly than we treat others. Mm-hmm. You have to be a friend to yourself, not a bully. And like yeah. I mentioned previously, it's like, are is the shitty committee like you know <laughs> ganging up and just saying all this? Like I need my positive posse. Like I need that group, and I need to know like it's okay. Um, right. So. Again, when we are so heightened, and again, like, I am not, I want people to know, like, because I've been there before, I have experienced a panic attack through work, I, you know, through therapy, like, I've gotten to the root cause, but I know that that is a real thing. And so being able to be mindful in the moment, do that breath work have that positivity that you need talking to yourself like a friend. It seems very layered, but it, it truly works.
1: Mm -hmm. So if you're feeling those feelings and all of a sudden you're, you're in freak out mode, take a minute, take a deep breath, do the breath work, give yourself a, like step away from what you're doing, take time, do a brain dump, talk to yourself, talk yourself down. Mm -hmm. And then once you're through that moment, give yourself some time to love yourself, like whether it's make yourself a hot chocolate or take a hot bath or whatever it is, depending on where you are, what you're doing, find a way to um, give yourself a break.
0: Absolutely. That self-love and that self-compassion. I mean, if there's nothing else, like that's Mm -hmm. really what I hope you know, listeners take away. And I think this kind of, you know, also leads into your next point, Heather, the third question that you would have had asked is that, you know, we want to be there for other people. But you need Time to take care and identify what you need, because no one is going to be able to meet that need if you aren't clear about what you need. Mm-hmm. And so for people in your life that you're kind of like, I want to be there for them, but I don't know how, I want you to think first and foremost what is happening inside of you that's making you feel the need to, you know, fix, save, or rescue? Codependent oh, dependent much? <laughs> <laughs> but that's a whole other
1: topic. <laughs> yeah. I'm pointing that at me, guys. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I get it. I mean, I mean, it's the best thing to do just to say, what do you need? How can I help? Just ask.
0: Absolutely. And then my thing, and I I know I keep using, you know, this idea of temperature, but we have like our baseline temperature, which is kind of like when we're calm or, you know, I don't want to say living our best life, but you know, we're in a good place when our temperature is high. That's where that, um, We're not thinking rationally. We're not able to do the things, apply the tools that we need. So what I would encourage, if anybody has someone in their life that does suffer from these anxious symptoms, I would encourage you, when temperatures are low, talk to that person and just say, I'm curious, what do you need in moments of difficulty, do mm-hmm. you need just a hug? Do you need your space? Like kind of come up with a little bit of a plan so that then in the moment you're able, you can always ask, you know, is mm-hmm. there something specific you need or they can, based on you checking in with them previously, you can then apply the things that they they have yeah, I like
1: that. Have a plan. I like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. That's
0: helpful. And one of the things too, I, I wanted to mention is, you know, Carl Young says anxiety is about the future and depression is about the past. And so mm. my mom always told me, don't shoot on yourself. <laughs> um, and I love that. And to this day, I always remind myself in those moments, change that should to could. Because if you should on yourself, that's where shame comes from. And that's where we tend to spiral. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I want to take time to tend to this anxiety and reform it. Like I kind of call it like Multi generational rehab. I can't change my parents. And like I mentioned in the last episode, I don't want to. I am so unbelievably grateful for my upbringing and it's molded me into exactly where I am today.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I can rehab myself and how I function and show up. And I want to be in the moment, and so the mindfulness things that I'm sharing, and you know the, this deep breath work. This is these are things, and this is why for those of you that follow me, like why my morning routine is so sacred for starting my day because I have to check in with myself before I check in with the world, doing the gratitude and the affirmation mm-hmm. because as a mom of three, three and under a business owner, co-hosting this podcast, a yeah. wife, a or friend, <laughs> like so many hats that yeah. there are times we're going to get triggered naturally. Yeah. But by doing these daily practices, right. it it helps me to be intentional and in the moment during those times of, you know, those anxious feels. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah. I mean, as you're
1: talking about that, you know, my morning routine is different than yours. Mm-hmm. I call it my morning Zen. Yeah. And so it has to do with, and, it, and I never, I love that phrase of check in with yourself before you check in with the world. I wrote that down mm-hmm. when we were talking uh, with a previous guest and, um, you know, I, my routine is, has more to do with planning and just, I need to have a plan for the day and do a little bit of stretching, which I'm supposed to do. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm not as um, much of an exerciser as you are, but I'm, I'm gradually getting there. But, um, but mine has more to do with, you know, this gratitude journal thing I do. And then I sit down and I plan my day. I don't, I don't check my phone. I don't check my emails first. I sit there and think, you know, what is my day going to be about? what what are my priorities? And then, and then I build a plan for the day. And then I follow that plan. And when I don't, then I end up just, you know, ping ponging around from thing to thing. And then I start to feel anxious and, and I'm on this autopilot reactive mode and it's, it's awful. And, and then I'm exhausted by the end of the day. So, um, you know, it's like you said; it looks different for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you do have to take time and thoughtfully think about your priorities. What, you know, in whatever direction we're we're talking about, whether it's mental health or whether it's, you know, whatever. So.
0: One hundred percent, and that's why you have to give yourself attention it is yeah. not selfish. It's and right. I think we have to change that, you know, narrative in our head. But you have to give yourself attention and figure out what do you need. And I love how we both have different morning practices, mm-hmm. because one size doesn't fit all and you have to find what works best for you. But I can promise you that if you stick to some type of morning routine, whatever that looks like, right, it is going to change the rhythm mm-hmm. of your day. And it's going to help your brain start to trust itself and know that that consistent work will pay off mm-hmm. in those bigger moments. It's almost not even
1: about the routine. It's just about
0: mm-hmm.
1: gifting yourself time to focus on yourself mm-hmm. right yeah. check in with your feelings check in with your you know priorities your needs mm-hmm. um, yeah so um, my head is a swirling with all this information <laughs> did I answer <laughs> Questions? Yeah, Sometimes you I'm did. Like, oh. <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. I'm one of those people that I kind of have to percolate and process a little yeah. bit, and then, yeah. and, then it, and then it all comes together. Yeah. But you know, our our listeners can ask you some questions too about anxiety. Absolutely. And so we have a number of ways you guys can get your messages, your questions to us. So the first, probably easiest, is through our website. So there's a contact page with a form. Just send us an email, and um, that's pretty simple. On our anchor page, which is, you know, when you click on any of the buttons that say, listen, on anchor, you'll go right to our anchor page. Um, And there's a little button there that says send a message and it's a voice recorded message. So you can do that on your phone um, or in your computer. And then um, we're going to post in our stories um, with a little text box so you can type in a message there. We'll get those. And then Sarah will read those and she will answer them on Friday on our stories on our Instagram stories, right? Yeah. Okay. So feel free to ask some questions, guys. Um, um, We're gonna, this is our first time doing this kind of interactive thing. So we're going to see how it goes and try to find ways to do that in the future as well. So thanks for listening. And thanks for all the great information, Sarah this
0: is really helpful. Of course, it's my pleasure. And for those of you out there, like Heather said, I am happy to answer questions. So please don't hesitate, ask us anything. And and we will do our best to make sure we get you the information that you need. And also be sure that you know, I know a lot of the things we're talking about, it can be heavy, and it can make you really, you know, dive into some, you know, deep thought work. And so always, you know, Go back to our um, website and there is a link to find a therapist near you. Right. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Um, We'll see you next time. We're going to talk to
1: Jamie Spear and she's going to talk to us about her not so picture perfect life. Bye.